0: Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. Time to get lit on literature. Yes! Spooky season. Yes, it's spooky season. My favorite season, since I am a October Scorpio baby. I'm very into Halloween. And I think I rubbed off on you in a little.
1: I mean, it's definitely my least favorite holiday. (laughs) It makes me unhappy. However, It's proof that I love you because I dress up for your birthday party. I don't dress up for anything else. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, no, I'm not going to a Halloween party. No, I'm not dressing up. No, there's just this thing is spooky season. Everything is spooky now. Everything (laughs) is scary. Scary. (laughs) Like it's not a season anymore. We
0: live in hell. Yeah, pretty much in a dumpster fire. That's also why I identify with Fire Elmo so much. Yes, that's true. That's the meme that really. I think encapsulates It me. does. It it's does. It's my spirit animal. That's
1: exactly it. And <laughs> inevitably, we have to do a spooky season episode. I feel like now it's tradition. Now we've been around long enough
0: to where we have
1: traditions. Yes. So in October, we do a spooky season book. Last year, we did Leave the World Behind by mm-hmm. Ruman Alam. And this time, we wanted to do something a little bit different. So that one was more of like suspense. Yeah thriller, but not horror, right? It was just more kind of mysterious. It had this like dread about it, eerie. And we thought about doing maybe horror, just like straight up horror. But then we thought, what if we do more of like a cult classic, Mm -hmm. something spooky, but something that stood the test of time, something that we know people have either read or have seen the movie. And that's why we chose practical magic by yeah. alice hoffman which is it is a classic
0: totally also i mean it came out what it.
1: 20 25 years ago now that's what
0: the cover that's told what the me. cover says we have a
1: 25th <laughs> anniversary edition cover and this is the first book in a series and we'll talk about that a little bit later but i think most people have either read the book or seen the movie those of you who remember the movie remember that Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman are in it, right? So it's like, it's a very classic 90s movie. And we wanted to do something that people would recognize.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was at a a wine lunch today and I was telling people about our podcast and someone when I mentioned this episode that we're recording today, they're like, oh my god, I love Practical Magic. I remember it. I have to listen. I'm like, yes, you better. Exactly. (laughs) We are
1: some of our episodes, the ones that are about books that have movie adaptations tend to do well because people aren't as intimidated to listen to it because they feel like they know the story. And even though we've reiterated over and over again, that unless you don't want spoilers, Mm -hmm. it's okay to listen to the podcast without having read the book. If anything, we're hoping it inspires you to read it, but this just seemed like a nice happy medium for spooky season and for those of you who have not read practical magic or who have not seen the movie this is a really beautiful story about two sisters very very different sisters very different personality types and their aunts uh who they lived with up until they were i think in their early 20s according mm-hmm. to the book um they are witches. can you can you say that I, they're, witches, I think right? they're, they're witches, totally witches right yeah they're they witches. don't
0: like blatantly they don't say the it. word they don't say the word but you know
1: yeah, you know exactly. So the aunts are witches and they sort of specialize in love. So yeah. there were all these women that would knock on the you know back door and the aunts would bring them in and do all kinds of spells and recipes and all of these sorts of things. And Jillian and Sally, the two sisters would watch from upstairs and it created this fear of love because they saw how distraught, how desperate, how sad, how horrified some of these women were when they came to seek the help of the aunts, right? So this is in many ways a cautionary tale Mm -hmm. about love. It's also a sisterhood story. It's a coming of age story. We have multiple generations represented And as I mentioned, it's the first in a series that goes back. It kind of does a more of a prequel style as the series moves along. So it's, it's fun. It's witchy, it's mysterious, it's spooky, but it's also very sweet and funny. And you really root for these characters. You see yourself in these characters, you hate these characters, (laughs) you know, it's, it tugs at your heartstrings from many different ways.
0: Agreed, that's the perfect summary to the novel.
1: Yeah, I try and remind myself to do a summary at the beginning. Yeah. Sometimes I do tend to forget. But what I love is that sometimes Alexa has a hard time finding a wine because we want we want to do a smart pairing, right? We we really take our time to think about the book. So Alexa takes her time to think about the wine. And this one, weirdly, was really <laughs> easy for you in the kind of Super funniest easy. way.
0: Bizarre. Yes. I, I actually didn't even have to go get this wine. It was already in my house. And um, when I picked it up. So we we grabbed a sinister hand from Columbia Valley. Um, I'll get into the label and the story uh, later on. But the label is pretty much this almost like metallic looking hand like if it's a knight's hand almost and it's like reaching up for the sky and it's cut off and you see some blood dripping from there so yeah it's intense it's intense <laughs> it's a little it's a vibe so I picked that up at uh, a happy wine a while back and I and I looked at that bottle and I'm like I'm gonna use this for something yeah probably around Halloween yep <laughs> and sure Perfect. enough it it really worked out so Perfect. Um, I'll get more into the wine later, but yeah, there's
1: a, there's a scene in the book that specifically <laughs> references a hand coming out of the ground. So this was almost perfection. too perfect, it's- and. I mean, I don't know
0: about you, but I feel like red wine is for spooky season. Yeah, I mean, we're getting into fall. I yep. do air quotes here, but in other places in the, around the country. It's <laughs> 85 degrees. <laughs> I'm like an tank top in biker choice. Um, but in other places around the country, it is fall. So it's time to bring on the reds, get a little bit more comfort, you know, comfort wines in. So I think this plays to to both purposes. And maybe I was bewitched to buy this originally. I think so. Who knows? I think so. I
1: think the- <laughs> (laughs) aunts if they're still around. They managed to manipulate you into buying this (laughs) wine, which we're already drinking. As all of you know, we drink this while we record the episode and it's really good, but we'll get, we'll get into that. Uh, I guess my first question is what were your overall thoughts on the book? What was your process like reading it? Did you enjoy it? Did you feel a sense of frustration? What was it like that whole journey of reading the book?
0: Yeah. So, um, I read it pretty wick i you read it really fast fast. i was like i need to finish this book now and luckily the book was good and it it flowed quite nicely i I liked the beginning tales with the aunts i liked seeing them develop from from tiny girls that watch their aunts and really building up their personality and their characters and becoming young young ladies and then young adults and then adults with kids and and just their own journeys behind them. And I really enjoyed the book. I wish we focused more on the aunts, but there's, there's more books to come with that.
1: Yep, exactly. And, and, and that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up early because for those of you who feel like I want to know more about the aunts or I want to know more about this family's history, the rest of the series dives into that. And I think that that was really a result of feedback that mm-hmm. Alice Hoffman got Because there was so much mystery, we don't actually hear the names of the aunts until the last, like maybe fifty pages, thirty pages of the book. Then suddenly they have names, right? And the whole book is the the aunts, and like,
0: yeah, yeah, they they just say the aunts the whole time, and it's always to the perspective of um, Jillian and Sally. We never really get direct interaction from the aunts, like from them and and see them in, in real time. Exactly.
1: So the series really answers that call because I think so many people reacted that way. They were like, we love Jillian and Sally and we want to know more about them. But who is their ancestor, Maria Owens, who kind of started this whole thing? They have this mysterious portrait of her in their home and and who are the aunts and what are they about? What is their story? Right. So the rest of the series is really kind of a prequel and dives into those particular characters. And I just want to say, and I say this with love, because I do love this book. I think it's fun. I read it many, many years ago, so this was a reread for me. But it felt new to me mm-hmm. because I had been, so, been long so long since yeah. I read it. But I will say, it's a great book, but it's the worst one in the series. <laughs> like straight up, every book gets better and better and better. The one after this, The Rules of Magic, is one of my favorites. And then Magic Lessons is absolute fire. And then she recently came out with... The book of magic. Mm-hmm. So the series just gets better and better. So if you like practical magic, I highly encourage you to keep going with the series because they are better. Nice. They really are. There's just there's just no reason
0: to not keep going with the yeah. series. Honestly. No, exactly. And it's good to hear, I'm sure, as they'll dive into deeper in the series, more of the the background like are they really witches? How did this start? Kind of weird. There's no men around ever really like. I love it. Right? <laughs> I'm just curious. I love it. There's like <laughs> literally no men around. I'm like, this is great. And, and the men that are around kind of go what? The, the men?
1: I mean, <laughs> you know what's funny is that like the men in this particular book, they're either absolutely horrible, in the case yes. of Jimmy, and we'll get into Jimmy, mm-hmm.
0: or they're. Dumb as rocks. Yes. Like, 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 like Ben Ben. Mm-hmm. He just reminds me of, like, a puppy dog following you around, like, begging. My He's worst constantly. nightmare.
1: My worst nightmare. Like, that's my fear about getting married is, that, like, a man will always be in the house. Like, I don't want a man in the house all the time. Like, that sounds horrible. So it's like Ben kind of exudes this, like, desperate, annoying Super. vibe. So the men in this story are really not. Uh,
0: exemplary? Maybe that's no. the right word. And there's no in-between, really. At cause, all. Because even um, the other boys, like Gideon, the friends, and, and Scott, is it Scott? i forget. Uh, Antonia's boyfriend in college oh, or yeah. something. what's his name? I think it's Scott. I think it's Scott. Um, but even them, it's just kind of like, they're in this spectrum of kind of annoying, kind of brooding. and eh. yeah. The men aren't written to They're be are great. The great. They're you know? not great. No,
1: But I will say, I think that that's part of the reason why I loved it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> because I love books that really focus on the strength, the bravery, the badassness of the women main characters. And like I was recently, I saw this really funny reel on Instagram on the Phenomenal Books page mm-hmm. where this girl is like just irked out and disgusted because she's reading... A romance novel written by a man ugh. and the way that men write women is just so like oh you know what I mean like you don't have to describe her breasts as <laughs> succulent you know what I mean like you don't have to do you her shouldn't ample, do it succulent exactly blossom. I'm just like oh my god like you are so horrible I know so this book to me is like a way of saying no 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 Now what we're going to do is we're going to write about women in the way that women deserve to be written about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also very much a play on this idea of witches and how witch hunts are very much still happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like you think about, yeah, yeah, you think about obviously the Salem witch trials and things like that historically, but really most witches were really charged with witchcraft because they, they had critical thinking skills. You know what I mean? Like, they had brains. <laughs> it's like you were <laughs> accused of being a witch simply because people could not possibly believe that you had the capacity to do good things yeah. or intelligent things. And so that mentality is still very much alive and well. Oh, but I think in a way, and this isn't a fully an assumption, but I think in a way that the author... Was thinking about that, was playing with this idea of witches and witchcraft as a negative and turns it into a positive in this story by giving women this, this specifically the aunts, this empowerment that they then share. They become the people who save the day Mm -hmm. in this novel. And that's what makes them so special. No. To me. So I enjoyed the book. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming. Um, I also read it really fast. It's just one of those that's like really kind of easy, yeah. um, you know, to get through. So, one of the things that I also wanted to discuss is the way that this is a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale, to, in my opinion, in two ways. One, it's really about warning you to keep bad company away. Mm -hmm. I think, right. The, the, the things that can happen when you surround yourself specifically with bad men or partner with a bad man. And the other way it's a cautionary tale, I think it's about the way that love can become problematic in that you lose yourself. It talks about codependency Mm -hmm. and what I think is a really intelligent and easy way to understand, because you see that in the women who come to ask the aunts for help. And you also see
0: it in Jillian. Oh my God, Jillian. She she was a character. I love how they had the two sisters. Their personalities were completely different in, in every way, every which way, from one being type A personality to the other one being kind of like a wild child goes with the flow kind of thing. And it was fascinating to see how they both fell in love in very different ways and either ran to love or away from love and and the outcomes of it. Because they're vastly different.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's the strength, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have Sally, who's a lot more reserved, cautious, finds herself in one really great relationship that results in her two daughters, Mm -hmm. Antonia and Kylie. And then sadly, this person is killed. And she completely loses herself in that grief. And she becomes an absent parent. In many ways. And then you have Jillian, as you described her, as the wild child. And she loses herself in a different way. She gets the validation from men in her life. She gets the validation from being the one who is wanted. Mm-hmm. And so she loses herself and she loses her sense of worth and, herself of di- and her sense of dignity in that way. So they both lose themselves due to love. But one in grief and one in desperately seeking yeah, validation. validation yeah. So that, ha- that, that was obviously intentional. But I think that it's also for the reader to sort of reflect like, which one am I? Who am I closer to? Am I the person who loses herself because I'm in desperate need of validation? Which by the way, is not something to judge yourself for. I want to be very clear about that. Like this book is kind to Jillian because so many women at some point in their life, I would would maybe even argue that all women at some point in their life experience that kind of pain where you feel like, Society teaches you that the most important thing is to find a partner and to get married and to go on this like linear path. And I think the book is sort of telling you like, no, you don't have to be like Jillian or you can step out of that lesson, right? Yeah. That Jillian learned. You can be like the aunts. You can be whoever it is that you want to be and you live this fulfilled life where you help people, you do, you know, whatever yeah, is it whatever it may
0: be. Yeah. You, you don't have to keep falling into the same trap over and over again. And, and you could find your validation in other ways that are more self-driven as opposed to through people.
1: Exactly. And that's, and I think that that was really the point, the self-driven mm-hmm. part. There's this really great quote that says, she knows now that when you don't lose yourself in the bargain, meaning love, mm-hmm. you find you have double the love you started with. And that's one recipe that can't be tampered with. And I feel like that's the lesson. Mm -hmm. That's the lesson is that, and we've talked about this so many times, like going all the way back to episode one, if you don't love yourself, you can't teach people to love you. You can't pour from an empty cup you can't be the best version of yourself and expect people to treat you like you are the best version of yourself. Right. It's like, Agreed. it all kind of goes back to that. And I think Jillian was such a great example and she was a great contrast to the aunts. And I realize now thinking about it, that Jillian was so separated emotionally from mm-hmm. the aunts because she felt like they judged her, they rejected her. And now I realize it's because she was kind of seeking that validation in the opposite way that the aunts did. The
0: aunts were like really just about their shit. Yeah, exactly. They they kept to themselves. They they did their witchery potions, whatever, helping women in that way, and that was about it. Taking care of Jillian and Sally as kids, they they weren't out there trying to trying to go get some love and and losing themselves in it.
1: Exactly. It's it's. It's one of those things where you see these two characters as foils of each other. Yeah. And it works. And it works perfect. perfectly yeah. because they're 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 of different ages. So you almost feel like, well, there's there's this hope for Jillian that mm-hmm. she'll kind of move in that direction, maybe, right? We know that she ends up with Ben, yes. who is yes. such an interesting <laughs> character because he's kind of like he's kind of
0: dumb. Like I don't wanna say dumb. He's like naive and and Sweet, but almost in a in a crazy people pleasing, yeah. Jillian pleasing kind of way. And and he apparently could get any woman he wants in town. Right? They from, all yeah, love they all him. love him. They all think he's a doll. But like he wants her, and I think the fact that she's new in town and not really you know a pizzazz or anything makes him feel that much more insecure and needing her validation as opposed to like Jillian needs a validation from men.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I I think that it was done for dramatic effect. Yeah, like this idea that like all the men in the book, maybe not all, but like for example, definitely Ben, they see someone, they see this woman, and they're like immediately enraptured. And I'm like, crazy. what
0: is this? Like that can't possibly be healthy. No, I that was one of the things, and I'm not to say that. The switching stuff is realistic or not or whatever, but I'm about to say like, (laughs) but the, the love infatuation, love at first sight kind of themes that go on in here are just not realistic to me personally. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that meet a guy or meet a girl and they're like, Oh my God, this is the one. And I'm like head over heels. That makes me
1: want to grab this bottle of wine (laughs) and hit it against the table and then stab myself with it. The concept of the one is bullshit.
0: I know it's nonsense. There's it's many not ones. There's real. Many people,
1: <laughs> you, there can be one for a while. Yeah, there can be one that you marry, and that might last. It might not last. They might get hit by a bus. You don't know. So there might be many ones. You yeah, don't know what your life entails. So this is a concept that like you meet this person, and they were destined for you, and that there's like this invisible string holding you yeah. together across the globe. Like, I'm like, some, honey bun, some plan, no. some the one, yeah. The one is the one that you choose Mm -hmm.
0: and that chooses you back. That's it. It's not like,
1: it's not a thing. It's not a thing. I can't emphasize that enough. It's not real.
0: No. And there'd be way less pressure on people. They'd put way less pressure on themselves if they stopped believing in that because they're like, oh fuck, where's the one? There's billions of people out there. Right. How do I find that? Like that was the one thing in this book that I was just kind of like, there's no fucking way you saw this lady sitting at a booth in a pizza parlor. And you're just, like, losing your shit with the sweats and being, like, I need to marry her. I need to be with her now. Like, what is that? That made me uncomfortable. It made me super. <laughs> and then, like, he he wakes up one night and sees that she, she left and he starts panicking about it. I'm, like, what? Like, what if she just went to the bathroom, bro? <laughs> like, I like just... Like, you need to love yourself. Yeah. Love yourself, Ben. If
1: this is how you react to a woman... leaving for five minutes or simply not answering your phone call, you need some self care.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if it was all for for drama or if it was like, if it goes back to their history and and the witchiness and how they bewitch people with their beauty. But like, I think it's both. It's both. I think it's
1: both. I think that like the fact that it is so exaggerated is to make the point. It is to, you know, hi- there's nothing quite as effective as hyperbole, yeah. you know? It's why we speak that way in our everyday lives, right? Because it gets the point across. And I think it, it's successful in this book. There's no yeah, question about it. Course. But it's also very much about the fact that they have this appeal, that they have this something else that we can't really define and that we can't see simply because of who they are. Mm-hmm. And as the series unfolds, you get more answers as to who they are and why they have that power. So it's definitely both. Yeah. And I think that ultimately... What you're seeing is is like the development of each character for the sake of making that point. Yeah. You know, like they each serve a very particular purpose. And I think, and we'll get more into Sally, but we're we're kind we're of here. on Jillian on right Jillian. now. We're yeah, on Jillian yeah. right now. and And there's this quote that I thought was really perfect and that really kind of, I think, defined her place in the story. And it says, some things when they change never do return to the way they once were. Butterflies, for instance, and women who've been in love with the wrong man too often. Mm -hmm. And I think Jillian is that. Yeah,
0: 100%. Jillian
1: has been treated like absolute shit over and over again. I mean, by men who are just absolute garbage, full, full dumpster fire trash. And it affects her. It changes who she is. And it's why she was so reserved in, you know, calling Ben back. Right? But it's almost like it was a good thing. She needed to slow down. She needed to understand her place, what she wanted, what worked for her, in order for it to actually work in the long run. And not
0: this, you know, quick. She'd been married multiple times yeah. and all very quickly, she right? Burns through men, like like their, I don't know, credit cards or something. Like <laughs> she's just like, next, onto mm-hmm. the net. And yeah, and it almost it, it took her personality away because when she was in town. She was the hot shit. All the men would just stare at her and were enamored. All the girls would would imitate her. Everyone was just like bewitched by her, honestly. And, right. and she was confident, beautiful, funny, just everything. And then being with man after man, piece of shit after shit, it, it took so much out of her. Mm-hmm. It made her, it like ran her down and even made her question her worth and who she was. And like, is she really all that? Like the shit, like she was.
1: And that's so relatable. Yeah. Right? It's so relatable. I think that's the story of many, many, many women who put their all into something Mm -hmm. and who try so hard. And really, the only thing that happens is that you just get burned. You just get treated poorly. You just get taken advantage of. You get manipulated. You get lied to. I could go
0: on and on and on. And these men pretty much... told her that you know and it's it's one of those things that it's like when someone tells you who they are believe them believe them the first time yeah not the The first fucking time not the you know he hits you and he's like i'm so sorry never again time not that he gets wasted and does bad shit time like like she dealt with in the book and it's like believe them that's who they are at their core
1: and that leads us to jimmy jimmy (laughs) <laughs> Jimmy is like, imagine your ex boyfriend that you hate the most, and then multiply the hatred you have for him by
0: ten, and then also make him evil. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I picture like gaudy jewelry. Yes, sleazy. Like, yes, like, like a, he's white wearing a tank chain top and a chain and like greasy hair. He's the kind like... of
1: guy that if it were twenty twenty two, Jimmy would be wearing a long tee and joggers. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, the long tee is... it? it me, this is really not the point, but I need to just say that long T's need to be eliminated. But Jimmy is that. Jimmy is that, like, gross, gaudy, look at me, I'm so successful, I'm so smart, but really it's just because I'm dealing drugs to children. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, complete scumbag. And the story with Jimmy is that he's with Jillian for a while. She is physically abused by Jimmy. And and I have to say, we maybe should have said this at the beginning, but there's a bit of a trigger warning here, I think. I mean, there's sexual assault here. There's verbal assault, emotional abuse. It's really intense, I think, the relationship that's described between Jimmy and and, and Jillian. It's really...
0: It's scary. And imagine what we don't know about the relationship. Right. That's what... Because, you know, Jillian only brings up so much through the story. So imagine what she's holding back from her sister and the aunts and that what she's not saying. That's so true. It's like we only get these
1: little tidbits Mm -hmm. as the story goes. And the the things that we do here are horrific. And something that really struck me was how, you know, physically abusive he was towards her and how she kind of became this like smart, whiz, like, let me find ways to keep him from doing that. Yeah. And apparently, you know, he drank too much, and that's when he would get handsy and would get awful. So she would put him to sleep early with some sort of, like, mushroom
0: medicinal, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, some tincture. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
1: eventually, you know, she does this, what, like, every night for a while because she's just like, I don't want him to beat the shit out of me, right? Totally legit. No. And after a while, turns out that he dies yeah (laughs) and long story short he dies in the car while they're in the car together and she thinks she killed him she's like i've been giving him this like weird tincture that like puts him to sleep i think that it's because of me that his heart stopped like i must have killed him not the drugs that he's not the yeah not all the drugs and all (laughs) whatever else i mean god knows what else he was you know injecting but (laughs) but basically she she feels this overwhelming guilt, which also I have to say, I think is also a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. Something that has nothing to do with you, you still take the blame for it. And it becomes the natural reaction says a lot about Jillian and how, how, how broken down, as you said, she had become. So Jimmy dies. And at this point, Jillian and Sally haven't seen each other in a long time. Sally decided to leave the aunt's house with her daughters. She moves to this little town in New York, this kind of suburban town Gets a house for herself, lives a normal life. Yeah, really cookie happy. cutter,
0: normal, by the books, like white picket fence kind of life. Everything very normal and not witchy or auntie or or not witchy. Witchy, <laughs> just <laughs> like I want to work at my kid's school, cut them little sandwiches for lunch. I'm on the PTA. PTA, you know, probably does a you know a book club herself. Like who like that vibe? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly
1: that vibe. And at that point, she feels like that's the the success, right? Because she's separated herself from all the things that made her different, right? All the kids used to make fun of Jillian Mm -hmm. and Sally, and people would would ostracize them because they were different. And so she felt like this was success. Blending in was success, and living somewhere where people didn't think she was different was success. That was her definition Mm -hmm. of it, right? So- You know, suddenly Jillian kind of appears out of the woodwork and is like, Hey, I really need your help. Um, Jimmy's dead. Sally's like, Who the fuck is Jimmy? (laughs) She's like, He's in the car. Why did you bring a dead man in a car to my house? Right? Like, it just, it's so crazy and it's like kind of comical. And they decide to bury Jimmy in the backyard.
0: As one would, as one would. Sally was very cool, calm, and collective over it. I must say too much for for a sister that you haven't seen in ages to come with a dead man in your perfect little cookie cutter life and try to like rock it that way. I thought she was very calm. Very that was calm. a lot, but maybe it's her personality of taking care of Jillian.
1: Yeah, I would through. I would agree with that. I think it's like suddenly she just goes into that mode,
0: mm-hmm.
1: big sister mode. So after they bury Jimmy in the backyard weird shit starts happening,
0: <laughs> right? The, the Is it the lilies the or Lavender lilac? or lilac, lavender or lilac. I don't know. I don't Something know,
1: purple. I don't know anything about flowers. I'm, I think it's lavender. Whatever it purple smells, flower yeah, yeah. starts to grow in their garden at this like crazy rate. Yeah. And so the whole neighborhood is like, wow, look at all Obsessed. these lavender lilac lilies. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call them because I can't remember what they were. But look how they're growing and, oh, my God, the smell. And so suddenly, like, all these botanists from the university yes. are like, well, we, can we come by and study them, right? Like, Literally. it just becomes this crazy. And they don't even, like, understand why it's happening, Sally and Jillian. And they're like, oh, this is so crazy. It must have to do with Jimmy, but we don't really know. Yeah, good fertilizer down there. <laughs> yeah, like a very very strange reaction, in my yes. opinion. And then suddenly, Kylie, sweet Kylie, we haven't talked about Sally's no. kids but Kylie is the younger of the two daughters and Kylie starts to see Jimmy in the backyard. Yeah. I thought this was just mean. Super. I was like really like you're going to haunt the little girl. You <laughs> <laughs> I mean like of course like oh, very baby. very Jimmy's, you know, wheelhouse I suppose. But he starts to sort of haunt Kylie. Kylie's one of the few people who can see him. Kylie is one of the few people who uh, knows that he's there without knowing that he's there. Right? She doesn't know
0: that he was ever buried in She's there. She's kind of like clairvoyant, yeah, in a, in a way. She like sees auras, feels yes. emotions, very empathetic, like
1: yes, in a debilitating yes. way. Right? She's she becomes extra sensitive and feels negative emotions when she absorbs all of that energy. So she sees Jimmy and isn't really completely aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. knows that something is amiss. And we find out later that his ring, the ring that he was like famous for, was this ugly like snake ring. <laughs> A frog brings it into the house and Kylie finds it. And Kylie's just like, oh, a ring, this is bizarre. And puts it on her mom's like jewelry mm-hmm. jewelry bowl. Yeah, d-
0: like a dish or something. Yeah, jewelry yeah, yeah. dish,
1: yeah. And we forget about the ring. Yeah. No one talks about the ring no, for a while, right? Sure. And suddenly shit starts to hit the fan. And we know that, Jimmy sort of comes back. I don't want to spoil it too much, maybe, for those who haven't read it. Yeah. It's just,
0: um, you see him in many different forms and ways.
1: Yes. He beca- <laughs> he makes his presence yes. known. We'll put it that way. And Kylie's very much involved in that. Sally and Julian then find out that, Ka- that Kylie knows and all of that. And suddenly, an investigator shows up to the house. And the investigator, just like Ben, but in this case, for Sally,
0: just becomes obsessed with yeah, Sally. It's insane. Like he just stares at her, and all at once he's like, chest is tight, gets the sweats, has a has a yearning for her. <laughs> it's just wild. Oh my god, it's just so fucking weird. It re- it reminds me of like when you're in high school or whatever, and you have that puppy love that you're just, I mean, honestly, it's just your hormones. Cause you're like crazy as fuck. And yeah. then you're just like, I can't be without this person. Like, and then it goes away. Cause you're like, you will be, you're a teenager. and, and, and <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> it's you're acting crazy. You're
0: being crazy. But, but it's grown ass people in this book. Exactly. and That's, what makes, that. it that's what makes it weird. It's weird. It's weird. Very odd.
1: And so a lot of the story kind of, you know, is, is based on that exact emotion. Mm-hmm. And how they have, as you said, this kind of like bewitching thing about them that makes it so that people are attracted to them, and you don't see that as much with Sally throughout the book. There aren't as many examples. No. I feel like Sally; it's almost like it's with it's with like the one dude she had kids with, and then this dude. Yeah. You know, whereas Jillian was like very much like her validation was coming from men. Sally's validation was coming from normalizing herself mm-hmm. in, in in airports, right? In her, right? Yeah. In her what own was normal way, normal to her. Exactly, and it's and it's kind of sad when you think about it because both of them are kind of stereotypes for different things that women experience and feel and it becomes incredibly hard to kind of read about them and know that they're both so kind of sad at one
0: point. Yeah, exactly. So sad because they both bring so much to the table and you're like, how can you be so depressed? You're you're awesome. You're you're killing it in all these different ways and
1: Exactly. And and there's this really beautiful quote in in the book that I think starts, that really encompasses what they both start to want Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Yes, This is, I dream of a love that even time will lie down and be still for. Mm -hmm. And so like suddenly when you read that, it's like the desperation is gone. Mm -hmm. The need for more is gone. What is there is what you want. It's what you can live with. You know, and it's like the expectations are gone. This is very natural thing, and I think that the book—that's why I had said it was really a cautionary tale, similar to Crawdads. Mm-hmm. Those of you who listened to our episode on where the Crawdads sang by Delia Owens, we talked at length about how the book is a cautionary tale about keeping bad company, and Kaya is surrounded by by people in her life, even though she's so isolated. And one of them was Chase, and Chase was just this. Horrible. I mean, he's the Jimmy. Yeah, he's the Jimmy. He's of that the Jimmy book. of that book, right? There's like there has to be one, and I'm starting to realize that even when we don't intend to, like we it just happens. We tend to choose books where like there's just really bad men in it, and I feel like I'm just kind of like proving to myself over and over again <laughs> that I'm right. You know, like Here's the that proof. they can be horrible. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you have you almost have no choice but to believe it if you read the way that I read. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it it very much is that it is that kind of cautionary tale. And we also discuss how it's a cautionary tale about losing yourself in the midst of love. Right. So it has that element, but it also has the hopeful element. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's fair to say that what the author wants is for you to be hopeful because at the very end is the most famous line from the whole book. And I think it's even featured in the movie and it's, you know, a couple of words of advice essentially. And it's always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder keep rosemary by your garden gate, add pepper to your mashed potatoes, plant roses and lavender for luck, fall in love whenever you can. Mm -hmm. So it's a cautionary tale in terms of how you should do it. Yeah, But not that you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. That you shouldn't close yourself off from the possibility of good things, from the possibility of love. And love being whatever it is that you define it as. It doesn't have to be what you see in the book, it doesn't have to be what society has told you is, but what is love to you and do that over and over and over again, like fall in love whenever you can, regardless of what you've experienced, as long as you've learned from it. Right. I think that that's really kind of like the main point of the book too. In many, many ways. At least I would, I would like to think it is.
0: Yeah. I'd have to agree with you on that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I think that that kind of brings me to this other idea that I wanted to discuss which is like spooky season without the horror thriller element and why we chose this book I think it's very much in line with the things that we care about but mm-hmm. still has that kind of spooky witchy kind of yeah, classic yeah exactly whimsical kind of. and mm-hmm. last time when we did leave the world behind I mean that to me that's one of my favorite books ever
0: it's yeah. one of the best books I've ever read. No, it was great. That was kind of like keeping you on your toes the whole time in suspense. I fucking love that book. Dun, 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 dun. And
1: it's funny because people
0: either love that book or they hate it. Well, we all know what I think about the ending.
1: But the ending <laughs> is what makes it good. The ending is what makes it so that you fill in the blank of the ending. We, like, this
0: is not an argument we should be having again. No, no, we but... shouldn't. It's like the, the Watcher on Netflix. I just finished it and it's like the same shit.
1: Oh, I've never seen it.
0: Oh, it's, it's, a, it's another thriller kind of thing. But it's yeah. like an ending like that. Is
1: it based on real life? Yes. Oh.
0: Yes. Well,
1: Netflix it, is like really on that. Yeah. Lately.
0: It's like real life things. People watching you in your house and shit. It's really creepy.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not... I'm not in, it's, see, this is why I don't watch television and I just read books <laughs> because I, like, I can't... Those visuals will not... The
0: visuals and it's like, this was a true story. <laughs>
1: they will not do well
0: for me that's not a healthy thing but yeah that's kind of ending yeah
1: Yeah, it's too much but the last quote that I wanted to share is the one that we posted on the Instagram as the kind of teaser for the episode and that is pride is a funny thing it can make what is truly worthless appear to be a treasure and that really I think does encompass Mm -hmm. the book it encapsulates the book because that's really what all of them were essentially striving for and pride was leading them in these, leading them astray. Yeah. Really. You can see that with Jillian with the validation from men. And then mm-hmm. you can see that with Sally feeling like she needs to be this normal quote unquote person. And the aunts are the foil to that. Yes. The aunts are the ones that are like, no, actually you can live your life however you damn well you please. Want to be, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I thought that that was really nice that you have this like younger generation that is still sort of trying to find themselves and then you have the older generation that they can aspire to and that we as readers can aspire to and it gives you hope for the younger characters to become those things and then you also have the next generation represented you have antonia and kylie the daughters of sally antonia being
0: horrible she's a horrible person she's a horrible Uh, she's so (laughs) fucking mean I don't know why she's so mean. I'm like, come on. I know I was mean to my sister growing up and I probably still am in many instances, but I think she takes it to a whole new level. That's a whole, it's like a full bully. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, I wasn't that much of a bully. Maybe no, that's a bitch hard. at best, but a bully, I don't think so. Yeah,
1: no, that's a whole other, I mean, yeah, she was a lot. And then Kylie has this, like, as we discuss, this over empathetic mm-hmm. quality to her and, struggles and so you see i think the different generations represent different phases in our lives Mm. as readers and the different moments in which we grow from self-reflection and from seeing people in our lives that are maybe older than us who have already kind of experienced some of these things and that's what gives this book i think like an inherent hope
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i'd have to agree and i'm sure like like with blush for example if you read it down the line you know five, 10, 15 years, whatever it is from now, you're going to get a different perspective on it based on your point in life and what characters you, you relate to more in that point in time. That's so true
1: because that's also a generational story about how perspective that comes with being Mm -hmm. of that age and of that generation can shift an entire world for Mm -hmm. a family, really. So that's absolutely true. I think that those, I, I tend to gravitate towards books like that where you have different generations sort of on opposite sides because it there's so much room for that foil to develop in the story and i tend to gravitate towards that because i think it's interesting Mm -hmm. because i think it's it's a reflection of not only what every single person experiences having people in their lives who are older and wiser and that you aspire to but also because it's a kind of reference to even ourselves when we look back on who we were Mm -hmm. a few years ago many years ago whatever it may be you know it's like so cheesy but you know, like your current self is probably so proud, you know,
0: like, or no, your old self is so proud, proud of, of who your, you yeah, are yeah, now. Right. Self. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, yeah. Wildly different. I, I probably was more like Jillian when I was younger, like seeking validation from men all the time and not treating myself with, with any worth at all. And now I'm like, fuck men, like complete mm-hmm. opposite. Like I, I, yeah. I, I gave my words for myself, you know, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's these characters that are just you know so in depth and so relatable in different points of your life that that I totally loved here.
1: Yeah, I think at one point you're Jillian, at one point you're Sally. Yeah. I think at one point you're the aunts. I think it's yeah. it's weird. Like I'm the aunts already. Yeah, like I'm about to turn thirty two years old and I'm the fucking aunts already. <laughs> you know, like I'm just like no 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 no, no. like give me my cauldron. Yeah, like just let me like do my thing. <laughs> you know but it's like all the, that that's what I, maybe that's what it is that's what i love about the book is that it just every character is representative of a different point in your life mm-hmm. a different struggle that you faced and i think jillian is incredibly relatable i think she's probably the most relatable yeah i'll say yeah i
0: think so too. I was
1: nothing like her i was never a wild child like i've always been like a good easy kid and, and and really nerdy and all that so i wasn't really i was more of the sally but only because i liked that kind of like routine and stability Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i don't really care too much about being normal but i wanted like just to be like okay this is my thing this is what i do from day to day and and then so i just skipped to Jillian. i went straight from sally to aunts
0: perfect that was my we all all have our journey we all have our journey
1: (laughs) and on that note cheers. cheers i can't wait to get into this wine because it's so funky it's so different i love the label so much
0: my God. It's so perfect the for, label this, for is this. So book. creepy. And you know, reading through this book and a lot of the drama and conflict happens around Jillian and Jimmy. I mean, you could you could say that that was the catalyst for most of the story, getting to meet the aunts, getting to dive deeper into Jillian. Like it was that point in time that that brought everyone together. So when I saw the label for this bottle, I couldn't help but think of, of good old Jimmy. Dead and buried in the ground, trying to like reach up through the dirt and like curse the, the sisters. Right, I
1: didn't mention that. You're right. So there oh, is yes. that scene in the book where mm-hmm. the, like his bot, like his hand or his boot, his boot,
0: mm-hmm. like like parts of him kind of start, start coming, out coming out of the ground. It's, yeah, the the lavender turns into thorns, and there's like a huge storm. It's it's this thing. It's a big. It's a bi- it's a big scene. That's why the aunts come to help with this. This problem, this problem that they <laughs> encountered all so of a sudden. This is what happens when you date bad men. Men, yeah, yeah, their their thorns get caught in you, and, mm-hmm. and they come up from the ground. So that that.
1: the the hand coming up is kind of a reference to that scene where he, his body, the boot, all of that starts coming up from the ground.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's immediately what I thought. And this is Sinister Hand. Um, The vintage is 2019. It is a red blend. So this wine comes from Columbia Valley in Washington, which is Washington's biggest winemaking region. And if you're into bold, fruit forward red wines and a good value (laughs) wine, then you're going to love the Columbia Valley ABI. The region contains more than 50,000 acres of vineyards representing 99% of Washington wine country, making it just a little bit bigger than Napa Valley. Because the Columbia Valley contains 12 other AVAs including the well-known Walla Walla Valley, Horse Heaven Hills, Red Mountain, and more. And to give you a perspective on the type of climate there, the Columbia Valley has an average of about 6 to 8 inches of rain every year. And But then in perspective, it's that's about as dry as the Gobi Desert, which is about 7.6 inches. So you would think that it's kind of like a rainy place, but it's not at all. It's actually very dry. And um, it has snow melt from the Cascade Mountains, which supplies the region's water supply. And the soils there are really um, predominantly... uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. So if someone hears me and says that I fucked up, I'm not a a geologist. I'm sorry. So... (laughs) You're not? I'm not. You're not qualified no, for this podcast. Obviously, I, I didn't get uh, Rocks for Docks well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Loess, L O E S S, if you want to check me on that. But it's windblown silt and sand soils created by uh, the Missoula floods and results in wines with increased aromatics. So let's go into a little bit um, about this winery and the wine. Owen Rowe O'Neill was a 17th century Irish patriot who dedicated his life to upholding the highest principles of political equality and freedom. Uh, His commitment to great things makes him an ideal model for for Owen Rowe, who makes this wine, uh, because they share his dedication to principle in their work and to produce the wines. So we've got Jerry Owen on the vineyard side and David O'Reilly, who actually makes the wine. Um, he's a winemaker, and they formed Owen Row with a simple purpose to produce excellent wines from grapes grown and cultivated in the best vineyards in the Pacific Northwest. So that's kind of like their calling in life. And they select top quality grapes from vineyards chosen because they are in areas that allows the root the fruit to ripen fully. And that the fruit has excellent acidity and balance. So it's a well-rounded wine. And their vineyards are in uh, Willamette, Mid-Columbia, Yakima, Walla Walla Valleys. And each vineyard is contracted by the acre. And they do have strict controls on yields and vine development. So they're really into... Not having a ton of grapes and vines, but like limiting them so that the grapes that come out are the good juice that are quality and amazing. And the same principles are found in the winery. There's minimal handling and racking by gravity. It's pretty much everything they do is for the best. And each of the sites they work with are tendered by craftsmen of the viticultural trade. They're very much into earth stewardship, which is important for us here. So everyone they work with, they don't use herbicides or pesticides in the vineyards. They want to keep it as natural as they possibly can so what you're all wondering about mm-hmm. dun, 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 the story behind the label mm-hmm. so i don't know how true this is i, I read it online like, i hope it's true like, I, I really I'm,
1: hope it's true i'm not it's a so sales cool. rep
0: for them i'm not a you know i'm just pick up a bottle i look it up we go through it so the story goes that long ago predating to the 11th century the families that became the modern day O'Neills and O'Reillys were feuding over the land that became their ancestral home. Like it's kind of like, uh, what is it, the Hatfields and the McCoys? Love all it. All that stuff. The, kind what of is vibe. it, like the, the Capulets? That, and the, yeah, and the uh, Montagues. Montagues. Like fighting families. We all we all have them throughout history and literature and plays of and course. and all that. So. To settle the dispute, a competition was organized um, with rowing teams and they agreed that the first to touch the land after rowing across the lake would become the ruler of the land. Fair enough, the rules are very, very clear. Very clear, very straightforward. So while they were rowing, (laughs) trying to to get ahead, the O'Neill's boat was falling behind. So story goes, a member of the crew grabbed his own sword and cut off his hand throwing it across the shore to touch land first, winning the title to rule the land.
1: I can't decide if that's like the most badass thing I've ever heard or the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
0: I don't know. Especially back then, you don't really have like modern medicine. So like, <laughs> like, did he get infected? He got gangrene did and he died. Die? Like, yeah. what happened? Like, how 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 long after that did he rule the land? Like, it's just really. Like, how long did you enjoy that home? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, I got the win. What for? Like. Two days before you die. No, I don't know. So that's kind of what what the story goes. And I I thought that was hilarious and so perfect and dark for this.
1: Oh, totally. It's spooky as hell. It's
0: super spooky. So if anyone knows if it's true or not, holler. I would love to know if this is just like a fabricated story or or an actual thing.
1: I think
0: it's great. It's awesome. uh, This wine is a blend that we're tasting. It's 57% Syrah, 18% Grenache. 18% 18% Mouvedre, uh 5% white Rhone, and 2% Sinso. And it's kind of boozy. It's uh um, it it's 14.1% alcohol. Um, is always super boozy, so I kind of expected it when yeah. I grabbed this. And let's taste it. I mean, we've been tasting it, but you know, we've been formally, we've been guys, tasting formally, it. Guys. We've been tasting it. Um, the color is a very deep kind of it's like a deep. Yeah, it's like a nice red but has like kind it has of purple, purple purple in, purple in, it, in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, there's totally purple on the rim. And we're going to smell it. I mean, when we initially opened it, well, tell them what your what your thoughts were. <laughs>
1: Because I have such a sophisticated nose and trained nose, uh, my immediate thought was that it smelled like Robitussin.
0: But that's fair. Which I
1: want to say is not a bad it's thing. Not. I actually love the taste of Pepto-Bismol and Robitussin and all that over-the-counter garbage.
0: So that was a good thing. And it was a lot of alcohol. It's a lot of alcohol It is. You you It is. You do
1: get that. You do, you do get it's, that it's- immediately no matter what. But it's kind of it's kind of changed a little it's bit, mellowed. opened up yes, since we have left it in the glass for the past what forty minutes. Forty minutes. minutes. Or so. No,
0: it, it's much less medicinal in the nose. It's like more fruit forward now.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, to me, it smells as though you took blackberries and raspberries and yeah. you put them in the oven and
0: you let them just kind of bake. Yeah, yeah, it's super strong and aromatic.
1: Yeah, very like black forest. Cake. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and like, there's like a hint of spiciness. in it. It's not so yeah. like alcohol forward though.
1: Definitely. It's, it's got like a seasonal vibe to it because yeah, mm-hmm. the spices you do, you do get that on the nose, but you also get that when you taste it and it just feels very much like a, like a, like a holiday wine. Like yeah. if you're kind of sitting outside in front of like a fire pit and it's like chilly you probably want to have one of these on, you know, yeah, in hand. Yeah,
0: exactly. As you're, you're sitting in your fire pit looking over at your your crazy bush of lavender that's just yeah. growing and taking over And that over hand the that's hand. just coming out, oh, of yeah.
1: the, coming out of the, <laughs> the ground because you
0: buried a man in it. <laughs> it. Sounds like something I would do, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then on the palette, you get more totally like black cherry, blackberries, um... There's like nice tannins. They're not super astringent or anything. They they blend in really well. A little toasty, like you're saying, like yeah. those fall vibes. It's warm. Mm-hmm.
1: And the at the end, there's like a sort of licorice taste that remains. It's like the aftertaste. It just yeah. kind of
0: lingers a little bit. No, it totally does linger. And it's it's very bright, all things considered.
1: I'm not a licorice person. Mm-hmm. I actually If I were to name the five things I hate the most on earth, licorice might be on that list. But I don't hate this at all. I actually really like it. It's like, I don't even mean it in a bad way. The, The licorice just kind of adds this different element to Mm -hmm. it but I wouldn't say it's negative as someone who hates licorice
0: no at all and it's juicy it's a juicy wine it's it's fruitful it's you get a little bit of the oak in there like the spice and stuff and yeah the I would say the finish is is very different from like when you initially sip it a
1: hundred percent it tastes better now when we first you know took a sip when we first opened the bottle poured it we drank out of it immediately Mm -hmm. and it felt a lot more like abrasive
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it was really tight and needed to open up so I'm glad that we've had it throughout this whole time because like some people would be like decant it right away but I I'm kind of fascinated by the evolution of wine like I want to have a glass and leave it in the glass and take a sip smell it write some notes down and then come back to it try it again. And and they just evolve and it's crazy how that happens it's it's one of the things I love
1: it's so true (laughs) and I think it's one of the things that as someone who if you don't know a lot about wine or if you are learning about it now through the podcast or wherever it may be, that's one of the few things I think is actually really accessible Mm -hmm. is pouring yourself a glass of wine, having a little bit, and then coming back to it a little bit later and you yourself realizing that it has evolved, that it has changed. That's one of the most accessible parts that I have found in learning about wine. Mm -hmm. It makes it so that you have more confidence when you taste and when you smell, because you feel like oh okay i felt a wine develop in my glass i have experienced this before i have more confidence now mm-hmm. to exactly. talk about wine I, I i just i say that as a tip because that was one of the things that helped
0: me understand wine better mm-hmm. no and that's a great great tip because it's anyone could do it like you don't exactly. have to go somewhere to like exactly. you could just pour a glass and and figure it out you know yeah. it's not and no answer is wrong. No. Like we
1: joked about it. I think we joked about it in the episode. If not, we definitely talked about it as you know before we recorded. But when I said, like, oh my God, I was looking at your book, Wine Folly, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God, bubblegum is not a tasting note. This is such bullshit. Like sometimes I think you guys are lying. And then we opened the wine and it fucking smelled like bubblegum. Or exactly. taste, what was it? It tasted like bubblegum. It tasted, I forgot. It, was, yeah, it, tasted, I think like it tasted like bubblegum. Like like bubble and I something. was like, oh shit. Like it does. And so there's no wrong answer because it really, like, you really do fucking taste it. You do.
0: No, and it comes to your palate and people have different palates and access to fruits, for example. Like, when you look at the, in the Wine Folly book, you look at the, the aroma wheel, you see all these different aromas. Like, I don't know what the fuck a gooseberry is. Like I live in Miami, I don't have that was, gooseberries. That was me with quince. Yes, quince. Like we don't have the like. like what, the what the fuck? No, is no? and I was like, "What's this? What is a quince? <laughs> what is a quince? And you're like, "It's a quince." It's and quince. I was like, "Well, what is a quince? Like I don't I know. I don't know either. It's a fruit. I've never had it, but it's like it's all it, It's all like it's it's you. It's it's what you know. It's it's your mm-hmm. um kind of you know dictionary of terms right, and like right. you're like maybe i don't know what the fuck um a, a quince is but i know what guayaba is because right. we're from the caribbean or i know what a pitaya, a pitaya. Yeah, yeah like all these different reference Mare. points yes and these are reference points that just because it's not and w said it's not in winefall it doesn't make it right or wrong it, it's what's or right not to, real or not real it's what's right to you and what your taste reference points are it's right very different yeah, and that's kind of also a reason why sometimes these books I'm like, this is a so whitewash because it comes from like England and it stuff, is and it's so like so whitewashed because I
1: don't see mommy on there, I don't exactly. see white on there. See okay. Uh, but I'm gonna yeah. write to wine folly, <laughs> let give them a,
0: a piece of my mind,
1: <laughs> you know.
0: Oh my god, but yeah, I would totally um have this wine, like you said, in a in a chilly cold nine with a roaring fire, I would have it great with barbecue. I think it could stand up really well to barbecue and the sauce and Um, This is a really great deal. I got it a happy wine. You could find it online for around 25 bucks. So I think it's a very complex and different kind of blend, a little boozy if you Mm want to have a couple of glasses and feel something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no, it's a great value. And I think it's perfect for the book and it's perfect for this time of year. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think I would definitely drink this wine again. I think that you have to be in the mood for it. I think it's one of those that you have to be in a particular environment for it. You know, you don't want to drink this when you're sitting outside and it's like hot. You know, no, this is know. a very particular moment, but I think it's perfect for that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely worth trying. I think it's, as you said, it's a perfect wine for this time. Uh, I, I really, I really like it. And I, for me, red blends are very hit or miss.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, you never know. You yeah, really
1: yeah. never know. And and I tend to lean more towards white wine and and rosé and orange wine. And so I, I don't, Always find myself in love with red blends because I find them to be really strong. But I I think that this is actually really accessible, really delicious, and not too much. It's not overpowering. Yeah, it's complex. It's fun. I really liked it. Yeah, it's fun. So cheers! Cheers to uh, your sinister hand. Cheers to your sinister hand there. (laughs) And we hope you have a wonderful spooky season. Please remember not to dress up as a Native American. Or as kind of any Heather culture, appropriating please, uh, especially if you're a white person, because right, I saw a meme that was like, right now, a white person is picking their Halloween costume that will ruin the rest of their their, their career, and I was like, yeah, that happens every <laughs> like year.
0: Sombreros and so, shit. Yeah,
1: exactly, sombreros oh, and tacos, and you're like, God. no, that's not oh, like a costume, you fucking asshole. Oh. <laughs> so on that note, happy spooky season. We hope you love the book, watch the movie. The movie's a cult classic. Go ahead and drink this wine while you're watching the movie. We're so excited to share it with you. And if you've read any of the other books in the series, share that with us. We're super excited to hear about that. I've read all of them except for the last one. It's new. It's Uh, it's new. Yeah, it's new. So I need to get to it. But um, any comments that you guys
0: have about, you know, this particular series, I would absolutely love to hear it. Definitely. And like always, make sure you're following us at Pouring Over Pages podcast Give us a review, five stars, please. <laughs> um, check out our merch on our Etsy shop. Uh, you could sign up for our newsletter. We give you a nice little coupon for that. And till the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.